morning again. This is Reverend Melinda Wood Allen, in case you're joining us for the first time. We're so glad you're here. And this whole month of January, we've been doing um, creation stories, stories about how to direct our lives, how to start again when we feel like, oh, it's we've done everything wrong or nothing's going our way, how we can truly start again. We've done that through uh, the creation stories of various religions and through the Adam and Eve story and then last week through the Noah's Ark story. And this week we continue with Genesis stories with my favorite one, which is the story of Joseph. And it is a long and convoluted story and I'm not going to read it to you because it would take, it's like 13 or 14 chapters. It would take too long. But I'm going to condense it and I'm going to try to tell you the whole story. I may leave out a thing or two because it just is so convoluted. But here's the thing. Joseph was the son of Jacob. Jacob was called Israel. And he had 12 sons. The first 10 sons were from um, wives and concubines that he didn't care that much about. But in his later life, he married a wife that he truly loved and she gave him two sons. And those were Joseph and Benjamin. And Joseph was his favorite. And we start the story when Joseph is 17 years old. He's a, a really uh, charming youth. And he's got a lot of charisma. And his dad, because he is his favorite and he feels like he has such great destiny before him, um, has made for him this beautiful coat of many colors, a very colored coat, a heavily embroidered coat, depending upon what um, translation you're reading, but basically a many colored garment, which was much more expensive than a single colored garment. It, it involved a bunch of different dyes and it cost a lot of money back then to have more than one color in anything. So Joseph, um, Joseph's brothers were shepherds and they were out in the fields watching the flocks, and before Joseph was really old enough to actually shepherd, he would just go out with his brothers and tattle on them if they weren't doing it right. He would go back to his dad and tattle. So you can imagine that the brothers kind of maybe didn't, he wasn't their favorite. He was their dad's favorite. He had the nice coat, and he was a little tattletale. <laughs> well, one day, um, they were, Joseph was actually sent out into the fields to again follow his brothers and they saw him coming from a distance and his brother said I'm sick of this let's kill him let's kill him until daddy died or till daddy disappeared we have no idea what happened to him so they decided they were when he came close they were going to kill him and they were going to throw him in this cistern and um, Reuben the oldest said no you know you can't kill him just you know throw him in the cistern and Reuben had this idea that he would save him later but instead what happened, after they threw him into this, it was an empty cistern, it didn't have water in it. Instead what happened is while the brothers were eating lunch, this uh, caravan came by on its way to Egypt and they had this great idea. We don't have to kill him, we can just sell him into slavery. Send him with this caravan, so that's what they did. They pulled him out of the cistern, they sold him, um, got some money out of it, and they tore his cloak up and killed a goat and spilled goat's blood on his coat and came back to the father and said, we don't know what happened, we just found this bloody coat. Something must have happened to Joseph. And the father tore at his breast as people tend to do in the Bible. He was, not, he was not happy at all. And when he got to Egypt, he 
he was, and his, his brother sold him for 20 silver pieces. So um, either Reuben didn't know about it or he just went along with it at this point. So when Joseph got to Egypt, he was sold to Potiphar, who, who was kind of a house manager for um, Pharaoh. He, um, one of the officials and captain of the guard, that's what he was. And it says in the Bible that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He lived, actually, when he was bought by Potiphar, he lived in a house of this Egyptian, um, one of Pharaoh's officials, in this really nice house, and he quickly became trusted because he was really good at what he did. He was very religious, and it says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of the household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So Joseph does a really good job in running this household and helps to prosper Potiphar. So Potiphar trusts him with more and more and more. Well, I guess Joseph was looking pretty good at this point. He was probably, you know, 20 kind of gangly kid, and Potiphar's wife decided she wanted to seduce him. And Joseph said, no, no way, no, 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 no. He kept telling her no, and she kept coming after him. And then finally, he, he told her no. She grabbed him around the cloak, so he just pulled himself out of his coat and ran. And when Potiphar got home, she said, Joseph tried to rape me, and here's the proof. I have his coat. So, Potiphar threw him in jail. So he'd been sold into slavery. He did well. Now he's in jail. Well, God was still with him in jail. And here's the deal. God was with him means he was with God. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. We can ignore that. Or we can constantly use that as our guide and know that God is with us. And that is what Joseph did. He's in jail. I don't know how this is going to be good, but something good's got to happen out of it. And after um, a couple of years, he, uh, he was the trustee of the whole jail. He had free reign. He could go anywhere he wanted. He was the one taking care of all the other prisoners. So as a person in jail, he was doing about as well as you could do. One day, two of Pharaoh's attendants, the cupbearer who brought his wine and the baker who brought his bread, were thrown into jail. Pharaoh had been told that there was a plot against him and it involved one of the two. So they were both thrown into jail and they had these dreams. And they were telling these dreams, trying to interpret what they meant. And Joseph said, oh, I'm a great dream interpreter. Or other, other people in the jail said, talk to Joseph, he's good at interpreting dreams. So he went to the cupbearer, whose dream was that there were um, three vines in his dream. And each vine grew and grew and flowered and turned into this great fruit. And then the fruit turned into wine, and the wine was going into the Pharaoh's chalice. And... Um, the way that Joseph interpreted that dream is that in three days, you're going to be back pouring wine for the Pharaoh. 
that that you you're going to bloom and prosper. You're going to be back wearing wine for the for the pharaoh. The baker's dream was that he was um, he had three wicker baskets on his head full of bread, and as he walked along, the birds came and were picking all the bread out of the baskets until they were empty. And Joseph interpreted his dream by saying, in three days. Pharaoh's going to kill you, and the birds are going to come pick your bones clean. So three days later, that's exactly what happens. The baker got beheaded, his head put on a spike, it says, and the cupbearer was back in Pharaoh's service. And Joseph said simply, remember me. I'm, I'm an innocent man. I'm a good man, and I'm here. Just remember me when you get out of jail. And of course... The cupbearer completely forgot about him. Until about two years later, when the pharaoh himself was having disturbing dreams, and none of his advisors could interpret them for him. And then the cupbearer goes, oh, I met this guy in jail. He's really good at dream interpretation. So he brings Joseph into pharaoh. And pharaoh's dream, two dreams. His dream, the first one was that there were seven fat cows by the Nile. And then there were seven skinny cows. And then in the dream, the skinny cows ate all the fat cows. And in his second dream, there were seven sheaves of grain, seven great big fat bundles of grain, and then seven really thin bundles of grain. And the thin bundles ate the fat bundles. And Joseph said, well, really, that's the same dream. It means the same thing. You're going to have seven years of plenty. You're going to have seven years of everything you need and more, followed by seven years of famine. So you better get your stuff in order so that you can start saving during the years of plenty so that you won't starve to death during the years of famine. And Pharaoh was so impressed that he actually put Joseph in charge of that project. And he did. There were seven years of fat. Joseph built silos. He made... He, distributed the food, only what was needed so that he had a lot in storage. And then when the seven years of famine came, Egypt was able to eat. Well, the word got around to the other countries that Egypt is eating and the rest of us are dying in this famine. And at some point, the word got around to Joseph's father and brothers. And Joseph's father said, I want you to go into Egypt and buy some grain. So they had money, but there was just no food to buy anywhere. It was that kind of famine. So he said, take this money, go into Egypt, and um, I'm going to send 10 of you. I'm going to keep Benjamin here with me. Remember, Benjamin was Joseph's full brother. The others were half-brothers. I'm going to keep Benjamin, Benjamin with me because just in case y'all don't come back, at least, you know, I won't be left with nothing. So they go to Egypt, and Joseph is the one from whom they have to buy the grain. They don't immediately recognize him. He's speaking Egyptian. He's wearing Egyptian robes. He's aged quite a bit. And probably they're not looking him in the eye because he's a great man. And they are coming, please, please, please give me some food. So he sells, he starts to sell them the food. And then he says, wait a minute, I think you're spies. I don't even think you came here for food. You came here to spy on Pharaoh. And they start explaining, no, 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 truly, we just, we're just regular guys, we're just regular guys. And so he starts asking questions, we'll prove it. And then so they start telling the story, we're, 
we're 12 sons of our father, and one of them is no more, and the other one is back, the youngest one is back with him, and we are simply here to buy food for our father. And he says, okay, if this is true, then I want you to bring that youngest son to me to prove that you're not lying. And until you do, I'm going to keep one of you. And he um, gets Simeon and keeps him with him. So they set out on the road again. You know, they had, they had bowed to Joseph. They set out on the road again. And um, what the first night, they opened the bags of grain to get something to eat. And not only were their grain bags full, but the money they had paid for the grain was back in the bag. And they thought, oh no, what's, hap what's happened? One of them says, what has God done to us? Because they're really afraid that they're going to come get him and say, you stole this grain. You know, where's the money? So they get home as quickly as they can. They tell their father all about what happened. And they eat for a year. The next year, as they start, and they said, I want, we need to bring Benjamin back so we can prove to this guy that we're not spies. I don't know how that proves you're not a spy. But anyway. That was what they said. And the father said, no, no, if you take Benjamin, I've already lost Simeon. I got nothing. No, you can't take him. Well, a year later when the food had run out and they were starving again, the father finally said, okay, take Benjamin. I'm probably going to, I'm going to die of starvation anyway. So if I die sunless, I'll have to tear up my breast again. <laughs> so the, um, the brothers go, you know, and I forgot an important part of the story. It starts with a dream. So Joseph was tattletaling, and he had a pretty coat. He also told his brothers, you know, I had a dream last night. There were, there were all these sheaves in the field. Each one of us had one. And then mine stood up tall in the middle, and all of yours bowed down to it. <laughs> I think that was maybe the final straw that made him go, let's just kill him. We've had enough. So this has actually come true. As they came to buy grain in Egypt, they bowed down. For Joseph, he was the one that was able to provide him with that. So they come back, they bring Benjamin, and they're saying, this is the, you know, this is the truth, this is our brother we told you about. And he hears them talking among themselves. Of course, they don't know that he speaks their language. They only heard him um, speak Egyptian. And he weeps, and, and um, he, once again, he says, I'm just not sure, I'm just not sure. He kind of plays with them, like, maybe I'm not going to give you the food. Um, but actually, in the end, he does. He, he orders his people, give, fill their grain bags as full as they can be filled, and put the money back in there. And here is my silver chalice. Hide it in the bag that Benjamin is carrying. So, they do that. The brothers are going home. They get out on the road. And they, and they open their bags of grain and see the money again. They freak out. What is God doing with us? God knows we're guilty. This is all going to be bad. It's their own conscience that's bothering them. Because, you know, if you have the grain and the money, a lot of people would say, awesome. But instead, their guilty consciences are telling them, oh, what is God doing to me now? So um, he's, Joseph sends his men after his brothers and says, I want you to search through each bag. And he, he goes and he says, someone has stolen my silver chalice. And the brothers are all swearing, no, we are not thieves. We would never, ever, ever do that. And, you know, just, just search, sure, search our bags because we're not thieves. 
So, of course, the silver chalice is found in Benjamin's bag. And they say, you know, take us, put us in jail. Obviously, God knows our guilt. And Joseph said, no, I'm not going to put you all in jail. That wouldn't be fair, but I'm going to take this one. And the brothers cry and say, if we don't bring Benjamin home, it will kill our father. And finally, Joseph weeps and tells him the whole story. I'm Joseph. And I'm just hearing that our father is still alive. You know, does my heart so much good. Bring this stuff back to him. And he sent all the sons home. And he said, go home and get our father and bring him back. And I will find a place for you to live out your lives in prosperity near me. And that's what Joseph does. And as the father and the brothers are approaching where Joseph is, they still think it's a plot. Their guilty consciences are still telling them this can't possibly work. That we did all this really terrible stuff to him. And he is saying, oh, come on, give, give you a nice place to live. So they're waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. And finally, they start to realize that Joseph really loves them. That he understands what they did was human. He probably has come into some wisdom about what happens when you tattle and brag and play, the, play up the favorite. You can't help if you're the favorite with somebody, but you can help how you act about it. And so um, this is what Joseph said when he revealed himself to his brothers. He says, come close to me. I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Two years there's been famine and five more years there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me to Egypt, but God sent me here. He made, my, he made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. So hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come to me, don't delay. And he says to his brothers, you can see for yourselves, it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And then he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. So the brothers went home and got father. And Joseph set him up in this beautiful place right outside of Egypt so that they could continue their work as shepherds. But they were never starved and they were always treated well. And Joseph said to them finally, when their father died, the brothers all got scared again because they thought maybe they're just being nice to us because of our father. And when, the, when their father finally died, they were doing their, oh no, oh no, oh no. You know, now it's coming, now it's coming. You see what happens when you do something that you know is against your own values? It's really hard to let go of that. It's really hard to let go of that. You can, and it's important to, because they spent their lives in misery waiting for the other shoe to drop. Even when things were going well, when they got rid of Joseph, they didn't feel better. When they got grain and money, they didn't feel better because they knew what they had done was wrong. Well, at some point, you have to forgive yourself. 
And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. I'm not going to do anything to you. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So the main focus of the story of Joseph to me is that no matter what you do to me, God, the love within me, the way I choose to look at my life, like in the reading, I'm going to see it as good. I'm going to somehow find a way to give thanks for it and find the good in it. Because when the good is in me, and I'm using the eyes of good and of love to look out at the world, then I am going to see every good opportunity. And my eyes of love are going to pick out any love that might be coming back toward me. And I am going to prosper in some way, no matter what anyone else does to me. That's what this story is about. And it's extreme, and it's a fun story, and it's a teaching story. We've been talking about mythology and metaphors. This is, metaphors are all in there in those dreams, but it's a teaching story. And often in teaching stories, we use hyperbole, like the very worst case, you know. Oh, that's good. No, that's bad. Oh, that's good. No, that's bad. He gets sold to Egypt. That's terrible. Oh, he works for Potiphar and he does well. Oh, that's good. No, he goes to Potiphar, puts him in jail. Oh, that's bad. No, he prospers in the jail. He does good. Oh, that's good. No, that's, it's just on and on and on. We don't know. At any given time, whatever is going on in our lives, we don't know what it is for. We don't know what we're learning. We don't know what we're growing into. We don't know if we have been sent ahead to save lives behind us. We don't know. But we can know that when we stand in love, when we refuse to act out of fear or hatred or enmity or revenge or even what we call in our heads justice, which often is just revenge, dressed up. When we stand in love, when we look in love, when we see through the eyes of love, then we see love and we live out our destiny in love. Doesn't matter how you meant it toward me. God can make a good thing out of it. The love in me can make a good thing out of whatever is happening to me. And that is the main, to me, the main lesson in Joseph. It doesn't matter what you do. It only matters what God does. And when I say God, for me, God means the love that lives inside of me and every other person. No matter how deeply it may be buried or how hard it is to see. I choose to believe that it's there. And I do my best to act from that place. And when I do, then I get to see the love instead of, instead of all the bad stuff. I can see that it's not that I'm blind, that I pretend no bad stuff is happening, but it's that I know that no matter what, I'm gonna be okay. Because hate never wins unless it wins in me. If someone's hatred for me makes me a hater, then I have lost myself. And the only thing that can really be lost in this world is ourselves 
Everything else is temporary anyway. As long as I don't lose myself, I don't lose. As long as I live in love, I win. I believe this. And I also believe that when we live in love that way, the outside world tends to prosper us as well. The world responds. We see it, it sees us. So, Joseph, the name Joseph means Jehovah shall increase. So, it was set up from the beginning. By the way, I'm going to tell you this long story, but Jehovah is going to increase this guy, no matter what. He had confidence. He knew who he was. He knew he was favored by God. Not favored over other people, but favored because he knew who he was. I'm a child of God. You are too. If you don't claim it, I can't claim it for you. That's up to you. But I know who I am. Now, in the beginning, his ego sort of took over that, and it expressed itself in some bravado and some, um, some, some, hey, guys, listen to me. I'm, I'm really amazing. And he had to learn that, no, that's not the appropriate thing to do because, yeah, you are special just like everybody else. I am special just like everybody else. So he had to learn to stop that bragging and to live in the highest perception of truth, which is that I will prosper as beloved of God, not as look how hot I am. God was with him. That's the other lesson I take, which means he was with God. And when you are with God, when you are living in love, you are a dreamer, an imagineer, a manifester. You are a person of high spiritual understanding when you refuse to let the evidence of the seen world interfere with what you know as the truth. And it is the dreamers who offer us new ways of overcoming. The other thing Joseph did is he followed his gifts. He offered them freely. He didn't say to the cupbearer, okay, what are you going to do for me? He said, here's what your dream is. Freely given. And oh, by the way, if you have a chance, remember me. He didn't say, okay, Pharaoh, you need your dream interpreted? You know, you're not getting me out of jail. He just said, no, here it is. Here's my gift. I share it freely. And then he was rewarded for sharing it freely. So go with your gifts. And forgiveness is the other big theme. He forgave. He gave for. He wholeheartedly gave good in exchange for evil given toward him. Not because he was a doormat, but because he understood all along that his brothers weren't in charge. Love was in charge. God was in charge. And his brothers couldn't do anything that could possibly hurt that. So the story of Joseph is the story of you and me when we choose that it is. When we choose to see ourselves in the truth of who we are. Not bragging, not saying we're better than anybody else, but saying, whether you know who you are or not, I know who I am. And I'm going to stand in that truth. So let's take that into meditation. So let's just take a moment to take a deep breath. Wherever 
so it's not a distraction to you. Notice that there's tightness anywhere. And consciously loosen it. Soften your eyes and your jaw. Your neck. Put your shoulders down and relax them. If there's any place in your belly that's clenched, Who I am is mine and mine alone. 
not separate from who anyone else is. So as you continue to breathe and fan this flame, I just want to plant a seed in your mind that as you go forth through your day, interacting with people, standing in line somewhere perhaps, watching the news, Joseph said, you may have intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. Breathe that in and know it as your truth. And so it is. 